You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio at the bottom of the hour, Everett Fitzhugh. Kraken radio play-by-play voice will join us. Tee up. The last game before the big nine-day break for the Calgary Flames after falling flat on their face last night in that 5-1 loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. To talk about that, and more importantly, what he's doing during the break, he is the voice for your Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960 on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. And we say good morning to Derek Wills. Hey, pal, how are you? Good morning, guys. I'm all right. How are you? Good. What's, what's Derek Wills' plan for the nine-day break here? What is it? What are you doing? I'm going to go somewhere that uh, is sunny and warm okay, and serves pina coladas. You don't want to disclose the location? Nope. Okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> are, you, uh, are you much like some of the fan base here that maybe it's good to have a little bit of a break from the Calgary Flames, How what a roller coaster season this has been so far? Well, not so much for me because I love calling games. So I'm happy to uh, call as many games as I can. And I hope they go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And I hope all four series go to seven games because then I get to call more hockey games. But I do think that the team could use a break. It's been a roller coaster ride, really going back to the offseason, George. And when you play for Daryl Sutter, he's a very demanding head coach. And I do think that that can wear on you physically and mentally because he tries to squeeze everything that he can out of his players. So I think uh, for that reason, the Flames could use a break. But I know they would enjoy the break a heck of a lot more if they went it with a win, especially after what happened last night. That's not how you want to go in to uh, a nine-day uh, break between games. So if you can bounce back and play a good game in Seattle and beat the Kraken tonight, you feel a lot better about yourself. Uh, if that doesn't happen... Might feel like a long nine days for the guys because I'm sure they'd be chomping at the bit to get back on the ice and uh, show that they're a better team than they showed last night. Um, Derek, I hear like even on the text line, and I'm sure you see it and hear it as well on social media, um, some people pointing the finger at Daryl Sutter. They tune him out. They're not listening. But I I just don't get what's a better alternative. Like the guy literally won coach of the year last year. Had a fantastic season. Uh, if the Flames got half-decent goaltending and Tanev doesn't get hurt, maybe they beat the Edmonton Oilers in that series last year in the second round. This ownership's not going to go out there and pay for Barry Trotz because outside of him, you're not going to bring in Mike Babcock. He's toxic. You're certainly not going to bring in Joel Quenville. He's toxic. What's the better option here to be the head coach of the team? Like, I don't get it. Like, people keep saying, get rid of Sutter, get rid of Sutter. But okay, give me a better alternative. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, he couldn't do anything wrong uh, as far as the fan base was concerned last season, even earlier this season. And uh, I know that some people are still in his corner, but uh, some people have moved to the other corner. I think that's safe to say. Uh, I think it's uh, not even a conversation worth having, George, because his contract extension hasn't even kicked in yet. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they're making a change behind the bench. So really, it's up to the players. Uh, They're the ones that have to go out there and perform, and they've performed at a high level at times this season, just not consistently enough. And last night, it was hard to watch, and that's coming from glass half-full guy. That was a game that was hard to watch from start to finish, 
And I know it was 1-1 after one. Uh, I said to Peter Lobardius before the start of the second period, so this might sound strange to some, but I think they're lucky to be tied at one in this game. I thought Jacob Markstrom kept them in the game of the first period last night, and even that started to turn. And I, I said to Pat Steinberg uh, ap- after the game that uh, I'm sure that uh, Jacob would be taking more heat on the text line and the phone lines uh, as he hosted the Flames Talk postgame show and started uh, interacting with uh, fans and listeners. But that didn't appear to be the case, at least not based on what I heard. So I'm glad that they cut Jacob some slack last night because that was not his fault. He kept them in the game in the first period and once again got next to no run support, to, to steal a baseball term. Let me ask you a question, George. Sure. How many goals have the Flames scored for Jacob Markstrom in his last three starts? Uh, I uh, I listened to the post game show last night because it's appointment so listening you know. for me. <laughs> I do know this because I know you quoted it, and I thought it was a great number. Three for Markstrom the last three starts, and an eye popping sixteen for Vladar the last three yeah. starts. If I'm Markstrom, I must be like, <laughs> guys, please at least give me half of the sixteen in the last three starts. Like. What the hell, right? I mean, and there's no way to explain it. I asked Jason LaBarber about it last week. Uh, I said, some fans have suggested that the team plays differently. They play more confidently in front of Dan Vladar than they do in front of Jacob Markstrom. What do you think about that? And if you could see the look on his face, he wouldn't have had the answer to the question. He thinks it's completely ridiculous. I think it's a statistical anomaly, but, you know, we're almost 50 games into the season here, guys. And if you crunch the numbers and look at the number of goals that the Flames score with Markstrom in the net compared to the number of goals they score with Vladar in the net, it's almost a goal per game difference, which is absolutely insane. And I really, I, I don't know how to explain it. And I've asked people smarter than me. They don't know how to explain it. So I hope that that does turn for Jacob after the All-Star break. But man, they were just terrible in front of him last night. And there have been games this season where they were bad defensively, but good offensively and there have been games where they've been bad offensively but good defensively last night they were just bad at both ends of the ice and i i have a hard time coming up with three players who played a good game for me the guy at the top of the list is jacob pelche isn't that crazy Mm -hmm. Uh, you know the 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 guy who uh had to to wait more than a year for a call-up uh, the guy who had to wait a couple of weeks to get in once he was called up uh, and has now played in three games might have been their best player last night. And the ice time reflects that. I think he played more last night than he did in his first two games combined. And that was the kind of the one silver lining for me, fellas. Pelche looked like an NHLer last night and a guy who could potentially be an impactful one, not down the road, but now. And I'm actually really excited that they tried him on a line with Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdeau. And he played on three different lines last night. But that, that line does intrigue me because I know that there are a lot of people out there, even if they are Milan Lucic fans, that believe that he's playing too high up the lineup and that he could potentially uh, have a greater impact playing a little bit lower and uh, just kind of playing that physical role that he does. And, you know, he's been making some plays, which has been good to see as well. But, you know, Jacob Peltier projects, for me at least, as a middle six forward. Maybe he's ready to play that role now. And, you know, he brought some juice to that line last night. I know that Jonathan Huberdeau uh, has mentored Jacob Peltier, so that could be a 
cool combination if they played on the same line together. So mm-hmm. it was tough to watch outside of two or three guys last night. But uh, Peltier was a bright spot for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you on on Peltier and how well he played last night. I don't want to completely circle back to the goaltending, but I wanted to give you and Maddie a stat that I saw last night on Central after the game because uh, you're right. I don't know what the reasoning is. Nobody can really put a finger on it, why the team is scoring more goals for Vladar than they are for Markstrom. But two things can be true, too. Um, has Markstrom been as good as last year? No, he hasn't. And some of these numbers are actually very eye-popping, Derek. Uh, last night, through 33 games last season, Markstrom was 18-10-5, 220 goals against, 923 save percentage, seven shutouts, mm-hmm. which is spectacular. Yeah. This season, through 33 games, 13-13-5, 286 goals against, almost half a goal more, 893 save percentage, which is way down, and zero shutouts. So they're not scoring enough, but he hasn't been as good as he has been through no. 33 games this season. I know not all of it's on Marstrom, and it shouldn't be, and even last night, that game could have been 6 7 nothing if it wasn't for him, but he has to wear a little of this, no? <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, less of late, I would say. I think he's been better of late, but he's still not back to where he was last season. But for me, the bigger story is that the 18 forwards and defensemen in front of him haven't been as good either. And um, he bailed them out a lot last season. And there have been some games where it would have been nice to see them bail them out this season. It just it hasn't happened often enough. And, you know, there have been games where Dan Vladar hasn't played at a high level and has given up three or four or five. And the Flames have bailed them out offensively. That just, for whatever reason, hasn't happened for Jacob Markstrom this season. And again, those things do tend to even out over the course of an 82-game regular season. But, hey, we're 49 games in, and it hasn't so far. Uh, The truth is, Jacob Markstrom has not played at the Vesna Trophy level this season that he did last season. Um, But if he plays well down the stretch and into the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think everybody will forget about that. But that's the key, not only for him, but for the team as a whole. They have to be better in front of both goaltenders. And they have the ability to be better in front of both Markstrom and Vladar. And I think that's what uh, has me still optimistic about this team. I do believe that this team is built to have more postseason success than uh, any Flames team in recent memory because of how they're stacked down the middle, because of their top five on defense when healthy. And that's the other uh, interesting stat. And maybe interesting isn't the right word. Scary might be a better word. Mm. The, the Flames in nine games without Chris Tanev this season are one, five, and three. Yeah, I know. I know how good he is. He's their best defensive defenseman. He's their best penalty killing skater. But he's one player, and this is a deep enough team. They should be able to get by at least short term without him. They're going to have to figure that out. Even without Chris Tanev, I look at the Flames' top four in defense. It's pretty good. Like I think they're really lucky to have Nikita Zadorov as their number five when they're healthy. For me, he's a top four guy in most teams in this league. But they've got to figure that out. Uh, I do wonder if we'll see a change in the third pairing tonight. Wasn't a great night for the combination of Connor Mackey and Michael Stone. Dennis Gilbert's been recalled. I've actually quite liked him uh, Mm -hmm. in his role as a number six guy this season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him against the Kraken. But 
Guys, the, the, the team has to be better in front of both goaltenders. Uh, they were arguably the best defensive team in the NHL last season. That hasn't been the case in too many games this season. I still think they have the potential to be a team that just grinds you right into the ground. But starts have been an issue. And then they put themselves behind the eight ball and maybe have to open up defensively a little bit to try to create something offensively. I think that's a very simple solution. Be ready to play when the puck drops. Don't fall behind in hockey games so that you're chasing and maybe have to get out of your defensive structure. And just be the 3-2 type of team that you were built to be. And they're going to have to be really good defensively against a Kraken team that, and I haven't looked it up this morning, but going into yesterday's game, they were fourth in the NHL in goals for. They have scored a ton of goals this season. So the Flames are going to go into the All-Star break with a win. They better get it uh, buttoned up both in goal and in front of the goaltender tonight. What did you think of the reshuffled lines? I know that they got shuffled twice, once in the first period, once as they entered the third period. The, the final iteration had Jacob Pelche playing with Huberto and Caudry. The Lindholm line had stayed together. The uh, uh, Backlund line had stayed together, and then Lucic had been moved down to play with Lewis and Dewar. You know, it's interesting, Matt, is the one line that they didn't touch last night was the one line that I thought struggled the most last night. Mm. And it sounds strange to say because they very rarely have a bad game. At least it's very rare that all three of them have a bad game. But Elias Lindholm, Dylan Dubé, and Tyler Toffoli, it was a rough night for those three guys. Uh, I guess the question is, are you willing to break up the line of Michael Backlund, Andrew Mangiapane, and Blake Coleman? I would say no. They have been the Flames' best line for the last couple of months, ever since being reunited. And that's the one line that I wouldn't touch, at least not yet. But here's the thing. If you aren't willing to break up that line, I don't think you have a lot of options with your other lines. Because for me, if I was to, to change up the, the line with, with Nazem Kadri at center or the line with Elias Lindholm at center, the guy who I would be tempted to move up to left or right wing on one of those two lines is Andrew Mangiapane. But if you're leaving that backland line together, then that's not an option. So for me, the, the easy swap to make and the one that I would make going into tonight's game is to leave Jacob Peltier on the left side of a line with Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdeau. I know it was a small sample size, but I liked what I saw there. And maybe I'm caught up in all the hype, but I want to see what Jacob Pelche looks like playing in a top six role or a middle six role. Uh, naming or numbering the Flames lines right now is tough to do because uh, yeah. it, it really depends on the night. and You have to take a look at the ice time and uh, really go game by game. But that's the one easy swap to make to move him up and then to slide Milan Lucic down to the left side of the fourth line. But something that really kind of hit me last night, guys, and we've been talking about it for a while now, the Flames really do need to add uh, a top six or top nine scoring winger, and they really do need to add uh, a defenseman, uh, a five, six, seven type of guy. So it's a couple of months, or I guess about a month and a half now until the NHL's trade deadline on March 3rd. And... Now, hopefully we get some good news on Oliver Shillington. It sounds like we might hear something one way or the other in the next couple of weeks. So it would be good to know if, if he's going to come back. And if he's not, then you've got some more cap flexibility there. But uh, they would slot a lot better if they could add one more guy in their top six or, or top nine on the wing. And if they could add one more defenseman and uh, really solidify that third pair. So uh, I guess when, when you watch a game like last night's, uh, the warts become very, very visible. 
So for me, last night was a reminder of, of how much better they would slot if they could add uh, two of those types of players. Derek Wills, uh, the voice of the Flames on Sportsnet 960 on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose. Um, last night, I asked Matty Rowe this question. want to get your opinion on it, too. Watching Max Domi play, could you picture him in a Flames uniform, Derek? Well, he's a heck of a player. Uh, last night, he was uh, less noticeable than in game one of the season series, where I thought he was the best player on the ice in that Blackhawks 4-3 overtime win back on December 7th, 8th, somewhere in that neighborhood, or sorry, January 7th or 8th. Uh, last night, had a, a good game, not a great game. Uh, the one thing I would say about him is that Max Domi's been playing center this season, and uh, he leads the team in goals and leads the team in points. What the Flames don't really need is another centerman because they're locked in down the middle if they're healthy. You've got Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, and Michael Backlund. I think that is as good a 1-2-3 punch as far as 200-foot centermen go in the NHL. And if you're bringing in Max Domi, it's not to center your fourth line. So you could slide him to the wing if you wanted to. But I think there are probably more appealing players out there. Uh, I am of the belief that if the Flames are going to move out significant picks and prospects to, to bring a player in, that that player should have term. Because maybe this season just doesn't go the way that we all hoped it would or expected that it would. But if you bring a guy in who can be part of your core moving forward, it's not like you, you blew a bunch of picks and uh, prospects bringing a guy in just as a rental. But, you know, on the flip side, and this is the argument that Pat Steinberg, Steinberg always makes, is that if you're bringing in a rental, it, it makes it easier to figure things out as far as the salary cap is concerned during the offseason because you've got Huberto's new contract in the books, you've got Uyghur's new contract in the books, and uh, things are going to be pretty tight. But, you know, I, I kind of look at it this way. You've pushed all your chips into the middle of the table. You kind of want to go for it this season because if you don't get to the playoffs, that's definitely a failure for this team, the way they've been built. So uh, Vladimir Tarasenko is an interesting name for me. He's got a full no-move clause, so would he be willing to come to Calgary? Well, if I was him, I probably would. You know, you talk about what happened to the Flames last night. The Blues are fighting for their playoff lives and got blown out 5 nothing by the Coyotes. And then you look at the Avalanche, the, the defending Stanley Cup champions. They had uh, a 3-1 lead and gave up four unanswered in a 5-3 loss to the Ducks. The Ducks and the Coyotes, just like the Blackhawks, our team's not fighting for a playoff spot, but fighting for ping pong balls so they can have the best shot at getting Connor Bedard in next summer's draft. So it's not just a Flames problem. We're seeing this happen around the league and seeing some shocking upsets. But yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting month and a half or so here, fellas, because I do think that the Flames are going to make some moves and I'm anxious to see who they bring in. I don't think Brad Treleving's going to stand pat. I don't. If this was last season... I might not be for them sending out picks and prospects to bring guys in to help them get to the playoffs. This season I am, because really there's no other direction to go, in my opinion. I don't know. Do you guys see it the same way, or well, do, you, do you think they should stand pat to, if they can't well, get things going here? I want to ask you about this, because uh, this is the way I see things. Are the Flames as an organization okay with Brad Tree Living to make these moves? Because he doesn't have a contract for next year, Derek. And if you're gonna if you're gonna let him continue to have his plan, you sign him to an extension and let him make these moves at the deadline. If you don't think he's gonna be your GM, why would you let him go do moves and potentially risk him future for this team to get into the postseason? I think that's the interesting wrinkle we're not talking yeah. enough about on this season right now is 
He doesn't have a contract extension. Daryl Sutter does. He ain't going anywhere. But the GM, and we all applauded how he just made a remarkable trade after Johnny and, and Kachuk left this team and all of a sudden makes these incredible moves, bringing in Kadri, the blockbuster trade with the Panthers. But how much faith does the organization have in their general manager if he doesn't have a contract and if he's going to be here long term? Why would you let him make those moves then? That's what's fascinating to me in all of this. Yeah, it is a great question, and it's one I really hadn't thought of until uh, I listened to, to Pat on the way home last night because uh, one of the callers brought it up. But it is a really interesting question. It's kind of how they've gone about their business in the past, but I think it's a fair question to ask, George. I really do. And maybe something gives between now and March 3rd, but right now uh, he doesn't have a contract and the management group doesn't have a contract. So... Uh, someone's going to have to make these decisions. And I don't think in as, orga as an organization, you could just say, well, you know, we don't have a management group under contract, so we're not going to do anything. That doesn't make sense either. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure there are discussions going on behind closed doors at CSEC, and uh, they'll get that side of things figured out. But, you know, this team could use an injection. And, you know, in fairness, it's something, certainly with the top six or top nine forward, ideally a right shot, right winger, this goes back to the offseason. This is not a new conversation, but I think it's coming up again now because the further you get into the season, you see where a team's holes are. And unless Jacob Pelche can, can become an impactful NHL player right away, uh, I, I still think there's a, a glaring hole on, on the right side. And if you could add another scorer to a team that has been in almost every game this season. And, and again, that's why... It's maybe easier for me than for some to be glass half full guy. Last night's game was an anomaly. There have not been very many games this season where the Flames haven't been in it pretty much right until the end. More one-goal games than any team in the league. More one-goal losses than any team in the league. And that's why I'm a big believer that if you bring in a guy who can help you score some goals, and if you bring in a guy who can help you prevent the other team from scoring some goals. So, you know, top six, top nine winger. And Luke Shen is a name that really interests me as far as defensemen are concerned because uh, you can make that contract fit without doing absolutely anything. And he would bring a little snarl to the back end. He's a guy that Daryl Sutter absolutely loves. So that player or that type of player, if you could bring in those two guys... Because you've been in so many close games, that could help you swing some of the one-goal losses into one-goal wins. And then I think really just open up the potential of this team. I think we all see the potential. They're just not playing to their potential often enough. But there's still time to change that. And if they could play their best hockey down the stretch and going into the playoffs then I think we'd all be pretty excited about the team again, wouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Derek Wills is the radio play-by-play -play voice of the Calgary Flames right here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, Derek, always fun. Uh, enjoy the sun and the pina coladas, pal. Thank you, my friend. And uh, hoping to enjoy the hockey game tonight more than I enjoyed uh, the yeah. hockey game last night. This feels like a big one, fellas. It, it yep. really does. I would say it's the biggest game so far this season. Mm. Uh, a proverbial four-pointer. And, hey, here's, uh, here's how I'll leave you. I'll leave you on a high note. The Flames defeat the Kraken in regulation time tonight and get a little bit of help on the out-of-town scoreboard. They could be four points out of first place going into the All-Star break. See? I'll that sounds pretty good, right? I like being positive Pete on a Friday morning. Thanks for this, pal. <laughs>
Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Uh, there's Derek Wills on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in and uh, dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. See positive. Positive on a Friday morning. Yeah, why not, right? After one of the worst losses of the season, you might as well be positive. Because, yeah, if they win tonight in regulation, boom, right back into it. You're feeling good about your nine-day break. They get their doors blown off in Seattle. Oh, boy, is this next nine days going to be rough. Yeah, you're just going to be watching the Jonathan Huberto highlight over and over and over for 10 days? Uh, with a single tear? Yeah. Rolling down your cheek? With, like, the Titanic song in the background? Yep. My heart will go on. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And it's a big game tonight. It feels like a big game tonight. Biggest game of the season? I'm not sure. Monday felt like the biggest game of the season with Johnny Goudreau here it's, and it's, everything surrounding I, the pomp and circumstance of him coming back to Calgary for the first time. But it'll just for the sake of the fan base and the sanity of the fan base, please win tonight so people can be in a lot better mood here heading into this nine-day break. Please. It would be really nice if that happened. But then again, um, if you play like you did yesterday... I said it earlier on the show, you are going to get schlacked by this Seattle team. Yeah. They will beat the brakes off you and do it with no remorse. Play like Saturday, not like Thursday. That's a great point. Yeah. You got to channel some of that afternooner energy. And Vladar is in that, so they're probably going to score at least four goals tonight. For inexplicable reasons. But I, I did give you that Markstrom stat, right? Like, I know this isn't all Markstrom, but... Through 33 games, he was significantly better last year. And the one thing that's so eye-popping is the seven shutouts. Well, like, here's the one thing I would say to that. Goal scoring's up in, across the entire NHL. Sure. Who leads the league in shutouts and how many do they have at this point in the year? No clue. Linus all, um, Darcy Kemper, he has five. Like, okay. last year, seven shutouts, that was like a ridiculous season. Yeah. He's come down to earth a little bit and perhaps even dropped below what we would expect. But, yeah, it's been not good. But but scoring three goals in three games isn't ideal either. Yeah, for Jacob Markstrom. but that's, that's not on Markstrom. Um, Everett Fitzhugh, he's the Kraken radio play-by-play voice, will join us straight ahead. We'll tee up uh, the Kraken in flames tonight on Sportsnet 960. The telethon gets going at 4 o'clock. One more segment before we say goodbye for the week. Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Your number one spot for Flames coverage can be found on Flames Talk with me, Pat Steinberg. Exclusive interviews, trusted insiders, and the latest news. Listen live weekday afternoons at 4 or stream the Flames Talk podcast on demand. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan for your Friday. Flames, oof, 5-1 loss last night in Chicago to the Blackhawks, playing the back end of a back-to-back tonight in Seattle against Mm -hmm. the Kraken. By the way, we're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. On the line right now, he is the radio play-by-play voice for the Seattle Kraken. We say good morning to Everett Fitzhugh. Everett, how are you? Hey, fellas, I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good. Um, obviously, the Kraken coming coming into the NHL, the 32nd franchise. I like when things are, like, I like symmetry. I like 16 teams in one conference. I like 16 teams in the other. <laughs> but Everett, uh, tell us when you got the phone call to be the voice of the newest team in the NHL. Take us through that. 
Oh my goodness! It's still I can't believe it. It was uh, the the summer of, of 2020. The whole world was, you know, right in the middle of of the COVID pandemic, and um, our CEO actually gave me a phone call back in February of that year. And I, I thought it was spam at first. He sent me an email, I should say, because <laughs> the CEO of a team doesn't get a hold of you personally, right? So um, I, I didn't reply for about a day and a half. I kind of left it in my inbox. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, exactly. So uh, we, we had a great conversation. And, and then the whole world, uh, like like I said, turned upside down because of COVID. And, um, but we, we continued that conversation. And then in July of 20, uh, 2020, after an interview process, they flew my, my wife and I out here to Seattle to check out the, the new arena that was being built and, and the entire vision of everything. And it was it was awesome. So, uh, you know, at, at the time, I was 31 years old. So being able to realize my, my lifelong dream uh, at 31 years old was pretty special. When did you get the sense that, you know what, maybe this is really happening for me? You know, honestly, I, I, I had a, a good feeling throughout the interview process, but you never want to um, you, you never want to put all the eggs in, in the basket, right? So until I got that phone call from from my boss, my now boss, uh, I was like, well, you know, maybe they could be talking to someone else. Maybe you know, I, I didn't know if they were interviewing other people. I, I didn't know how that process was working. So until I got the phone call on July 14th, I was like, well, you know, maybe, may, maybe they're going in another direction. You want to, you want to stay humble, right? You want to make sure that you're putting all of those, uh, those good vibes out of the atmosphere, other places. So, yeah, but it, it was probably, you know, late in the process. Once they flew myself and my wife out here, you know, I was like, all right, they're, they're not going to fly us out if they don't intend on, on, making an offer right. or, or, or being in the top two. So it was, it was pretty late in the process before I was like, this is, this is going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> um, for aspiring broadcasters listening to our show right now, um, Everett, what's the biggest difference you think between calling games for the radio or television? Oh my goodness. Uh, the, the, the radio for me is a lot more fun. You know, I, I tell folks all the time, I have my dream job. I, I wanted to be an NHL radio play-by-play -play announcer. You have to paint that entire picture, right? Like, you know, TV, you, you can see what's going on, and you have to talk around the pictures. But for the radio side, you know, you need to tell where's the puck, left side, right side, in the corner, at the blue line, at the half wall, you know, circles, whatever. You have to, to paint that complete and full picture. And for me, that's what I enjoy doing. I, I enjoy being able to, to be the eyes uh, of, of everyone listening. So that's the biggest difference for me uh, between radio and television. How has Seattle embraced you as the play-by-play -play guy? Because we've seen them embrace the team wholeheartedly. Yeah, no, it's it's been great. They they they've really welcomed myself. They've welcomed my family here. Um, you know, and and Seattle is a very 
passionate sports market and they love their sports teams and they love their sports personalities. So, you know, I, I will say in the very beginning with me not being a, a native Seattleite, I'm from Detroit originally. So without me being a native Seattleite, you know, it, it was a bit of, all right, how is this guy going to come in here and, and, and be our voice for, for our team? So, but they've, they've welcomed me from day one. Uh, with open arms and, and they've been so kind and supportive and I've gotten so many great messages and notes and, you know, uh, uh, congratulations and attaboys, if you will. <laughs> so the, the community here of Seattle has been awesome for me and my family. It's been fun to watch, man. I got to ask you about some of the particulars on this team. Uh, one of the favorite p- players to watch this season is Maddie Beneers, but a little bit of an incident with Tyler Myers the other night. Can you tell us what happened and yeah. what the status is for Beneers? Yeah, he was in the slots, and then Tyler Myers came came by and just, uh, you know, gave him a, 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 a hit. In, in you know when he wasn't looking, and obviously a lot of folks want to say, well, he's six seven two forty, whatever he is. The puck was nowhere near Matty Veneers. So a lot of people here in Seattle, even our head coach Dave Axtall, you know, said that it was a garbage hit, and, and he wasn't a fan of it. Uh, the team was off yesterday, so there was no practice uh, and no update. But there was um, uh, after the game, I went down to the locker room and. I saw him walking around. He appeared to be okay. Um, I know his status for tonight's game uh, is is still yet to be determined, uh, but we have morning skate here in about three hours, so I'll head to the rink and, and see what's going on. But, but yeah, there's nothing that's been officially said about Matty Veneers, but it was definitely uh, a hit that when you're at, a, I think it was 5 nothing at the time, when you're 5-1 maybe, if you're at – that juncture of the game, there was a lot of confusion as to why that hit was made. And, you know, Tyler Myers isn't super popular around Seattle right now. You got to build the team by doing a lot of different things, drafting well, making the right calls in free agency, but occasionally you got to pick a guy up off waivers and all he does is score goals for you. Can you tell us about the role that Ellie Tolvanen has taken on with this uh, Seattle Kraken team? He has been a, a, a great fit in that middle six portion of this Kraken lineup. And, I mean, when you're able to add uh, a, a first-round pick, I mean, a lot of people forget he's a first-round pick from a few years ago uh, in, in 17. When you're able to add that first-round pick to your lineup, it, it changes the whole dynamic. And I think for him it was a, a change of scenery that was needed. Even David Poyle, uh, the GM of Nashville even admitted, he said, yeah, you know, probably would have liked to have kept him around. Uh, but he has just been making the most of his opportunity. It took about eight or 12 games to get him into the lineup, but then he scores in his first or second game in with Seattle, and he had two of his first three goals on the power play, a power play that had been struggling at the time for Seattle. So he really is 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 taking that baton and ran with it, and he has become a, a pretty good staple on the left side of that third line. Everett Fitzhugh is the radio play-by-play voice for the Seattle Kraken, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Can Seattle's goaltending hold up here, Everett, for this team to be in the playoffs? You know what? <laughs> I tell folks all the time, it's going to have to, right? Like I, Martin Jones and, and, and Philip Grubauer have been 
especially here as of late, these last six weeks for Martin Jones. I mean, he has been one of the big reasons why this Kraken team is where they are. And for Philip Grubauer, even though his record and his numbers might not be where they, uh, where he would like them to be, he still is coming up with some big saves. He just isn't getting the run support for whatever reason. He's not getting that goal support in front of him. So for Seattle, the goaltending has been, I think, one of the biggest surprises of the year because, listen, the Kraken goaltending position has been probably the most polarizing topic of this organization uh, since day one. You go back to the expansion draft two years ago, you bring in Philip Grubauer, and then you bring in Chris Drieger. So you sign those two, and that's supposed to be the, the one-two tandem, right? Drieger coming off of that great year he had with, uh, with Florida. Uh, Grubauer, you signed him to a free agency contract, a Vesna finalist the year before. Well, then Drieger gets injured, Drieger gets COVID, Grubauer doesn't have the year that he's supposed to have. So then you come into the offseason and you're thinking, all right, both of these goalies are now going to be what we expect them to be. Well, then Drieger gets hurt in the gold medal game of the World Championships for Team Canada. So now you still don't have that one-two tandem. You go out and you, you sign Martin Jones in the offseason. He's been a revelation. He has been you know, one of the best goalies, not only in the division, but in the NHL, and all while doing this with a sub-900 uh, save percentage. So the goaltending, I think, can get the crack into the playoffs, but as this league starts to tighten up, the run support is going to have to come from both sides, whereas uh, Martin Jones is getting four runs a game, I believe, or four goals a game, uh, with that baseball terminology, uh, getting four <laughs> goals a game uh, of, of support. Grubauer is probably at about two and a half. Those numbers are going to have to even out. But both these goaltenders, I think, are more than capable of, of leading Seattle uh, to, to success in the playoffs. It's a fascinating case study because, like you mentioned, last year was all the conversation. The goaltending's not good enough, and that's why this team is in the position that they are. Plus, they had some injuries up front in the in the forward and, and defenseman ranks, too. But this season, has it just been the goaltenders playing better than last year? Or would you give credit to the structure and the defensive end and, and that type of thing as well? You know what? I would definitely give give credit to to the structure and the defensive. I mean, the goaltenders are playing better. I don't want to take anything away sure. from the position itself. But this cracking team this year is so committed to checking hard, to a good forecheck. They create offense from a hard checking game. And for Seattle, when they're having success, it's a hard forecheck. They're rolling all four lines. If you're having to, to rely on two lines and you're seeing – those top two lines uh, go out every other shift, then you know that something quite isn't right tonight. So for Seattle to have success, all four lines are going. You've had 13, 14 now, 14 different occasions this season where 10 players, at least 10 players, have registered a point in a hockey game. Uh, Ryan Donato, Daniel Sprung, Morgan Geeky are three of the top five scorers in the NHL. Uh, for players averaging 12 or fewer minutes of game. So the the offense has really helped this team uh, find success. It's all spread out. But then defensively, it is a full team commitment to forechecking, to checking hard, to setting the pace. They create that offensive opportunity through their tough defense. So now... Um... 
perusing a little cap friendly here. It looks like the Kraken could have about $3.6 million in deadline cap space. They got a couple extra <laughs> second round picks. You know, things are going pretty well. What is going to be the temptation to go and maybe use some of that draft capital to maybe bring in somebody to make this fairy tale type of season last a little bit longer? Yeah, you know, that's that's been the, the million-dollar question around the <laughs> office. And, and I think, you know, if you – Ron Francis had a media avail a couple days ago. Um, it, it sounds like the direction that the Kraken want to go in is a little bit more help on the defensive end and then a little bit more uh, of that grit and sandpaper in the lineup. You know, as you guys well are aware – when you get to the playoffs, right, it, it, it's a 2-1, it's a 3-2 league. You're not going to have any more of these 6-4 uh, uh, games, 5-1 uh, games. So for Seattle, you know, being able to go out and get a little bit of toughness in their lineup, add a little bit of that sandpaper, and then get some help on the defensive side of the puck, I think it is probably at the top of, of Rod Francis's list. And then I also think maybe some depth. And, and even though the Kraken are getting depth scoring, Right now, there's a few injuries, a few bodies that are that are banged up and bruised up, a couple of game-time decisions uh, for tonight. And like I said, we'll find out at uh, morning skate here in a few hours. But, you know, the, the cupboard at Coachella Valley, there are a few uh, mm. players down there. But if you're trying to, to make that playoff run, you want to get some NHL depth. That's the one thing that I think Seattle lacks a little bit of are those players who have been – in a playoff run who have been in this league for a long time that can come up and, and help. So I think those are probably for me, the three areas that Seattle is going to need help with. At least a covering a trade deadline and acquiring than draft lottery odds, right? Like that's better in season two. Absolutely. I mean, listen, everybody wants to, to make the playoffs. And I think when you look at where this team was last season, we were fully on board with a, a five-year plan. But you go out, you sign Andre Burakovsky, you sign Oliver Bjorkstrand, I mentioned Martin Jones, Justin Schultz, you added all of these players, and now that five-year plan has become a two-and-a-half or three-year plan uh, for, for Seattle in terms of where they see this team going. So it's been so much fun, and then that, that's what I tell folks all the time. Being you know around the locker room on the plane on the road, it's been fun. There's a lot more levity. The guys are joking a bit more, and yeah, you'd rather be in, in the hunt uh, for a division championship uh, as opposed to the Cotter Bedard sweepstakes. Everett Fitzhugh is the voice of the Seattle Kraken. Everett, thanks for this. Enjoy the call tonight. Hey, sounds good, fellas. Had a great time. Always a pleasure. And there he goes. Edward Fitzhugh on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Got a couple minutes here. Um, we know that everything's heading towards a more earth-friendly, environmentally friendly, um... Like just products in general, we want we want to be more cognizant yeah. of the environment. See a single use plastics and stuff like that. Yeah, um, straws, paper straws drive me nuts. I just don't use straws anymore. So there you go. Now uh, I'm glad you said that because McDonald's is like, you know what? Uh, let's be more environmentally friendly here. They're testing lids to their beverages in the United States. No straw. 
much like the ones you get at your beer at like the dome. Sure. Where they got the lid and you just crack open the side. Yeah, or a Mc- coffee-ish. Yeah. yeah. McDonald's is going that way saying, no, 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 no more straws. I'm in. Sign me up. In a heartbeat. Doesn't, doesn't bother me whatsoever. Straws can beat it. I'm over straws. Now, the only thing I'm going to really miss mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to straws no longer on McDonald's things What's that? is ripping the one side of it and shooting it like a poison dart at somebody. <laughs> like you're a ninja. <laughs> when was the last time you were in a Don's and you fired off a couple of poison darts at some well, kids in the play place? No, or but, no I don't care. Whatever. A, a, an unsuspecting table? No, some but, poor minimum wage worker trying to run the till and order out burgers and no, you're but, just... <laughs> Yeah, but when you're whenever you have a paper covering on the straw, you try to do the poison dart thing and hit somebody right in the neck. Yeah, okay, I guess. But yeah, but think of the earth, George. Yes, uh, but they're still using plastic lids, which I don't know how that works. But apparently, one McDonald's, step at a time. McDonald's is getting rid of straws. It looks like so that could potentially happen here. That's interesting. Beat it, straws. Although I do appreciate whenever. A- like someone has gone through it and they ponied up and they get like the compostable straws, which are actually like hard. Mm-hmm. Those are good. I like those a lot. Um, where are you at with uh, the McRib? I don't know if I've ever had a McRib. Okay. Like I like to get excited about things, so yep. sure I can I can be excited, but I don't. It's never Re- tickled my fancy as something I like. I gotta go get. Uh, real quick here, we got a bunch of Like when the KFC go. Double Down came out, I was like, that's great. And then I had it and I was like, this is not good. Yeah, I can feel my heart slowing down. Yeah. So, uh, real quick before we go, we got about a minute here. Um, what is the big fast food chain that we don't have in Calgary that we need to have? Well, we've done a good job. Like, I would say, like, I don't know, a Yankee one would be In and Out, but they're not really in Canada. Chick fil A? Um, there's no Chick-fil-A in Calgary, right? Alex, GVP? No Chick-fil-A. Confirm okay. No, no In-N-Out Burger, right? Uh, no. No In-N-Out. Carl's Jr.? We do have Carl's. Yeah. Yeah, There's a Carl's that. Jr. in Calgary? There's sure multiple is, yeah. Carl's Jr. in Calgary. Really? Yep. yep. One on 16th Avenue, I believe. And there's one down on McLeod Trail. I think there's 16th one on the U of C campus as well, I think. 16th Avenue. Wow. Over by uh, Sate. And then, I don't know uh, why I got so excited about that. McLeod Trail. Actually, dude, it's probably like 10 minutes from here. Okay. Not even. I enjoy Carl's Jr. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. Pretty good. Not bad. But they don't have value meal. So I'm like one of those guys who just gets like eight things off the value meal. Mm. So if I go to Don's or or Wendy's, that's the play. So In-N-Out is maybe the biggest one that has yet to come to Calgary? That would be my choice. Have you eaten In-N-Out? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. And like it's like all fast food. I'm like, yeah, it's good. I just want it to be greasy and like. You know what else is good? Steak and Shake. You've ever had that? I don't think I've had Steak oh, and Shake. Oh, that's really good, too. And it's dirt cheap. That's a East Coast? Yeah. Parmesan fries are delicious. Yeah. See, I don't. I haven't done a lot of travel out to the East Coast. Like, one trip to New York when I was a teenager. Yeah. It's been a long time. And then a little bit in California oh, and Vegas. Again, again. Down like, the Oregon coast. Things are flying in right now All for right, a split second. Uh, Sonic. Chipotle, yep. White Castle. Sure. There's no Applebee's here? There's uh, definitely Applebee's here. There has to be. There's one across the street from my house. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, there we go. GVP, I like I like how, how really fired up you are about that. Apparently, Chick-fil-A is coming soon. That's good. Like that. Excellent. 
How do you do a milkshake without a straw? It's a great point. You suck on it. You get the compost one. Suck on it hard. You get it. All right, that's it for us. Uh, next week we're gonna have some fun. Chick Fil A at the Calgary Airport. Really? Huh. I had a feeling there was one, but it was one of those weird rules. Like it was like merged with a Taco Bell or something. That makes sense. Okay. Now I gotta check it out at the airport. Chick Fil A. Yeah, on your way out for your next three week vacation. Yeah. When's that? Uh, coming up. Jack in the Box is another one people want to see. Uh, should we tell people about Austin Matthews before we go? Yeah, Austin Matthews out the next three weeks with a knee injury. Alexander Barkov's going to replace him at the All-Star game. Okay, that was fast. And Jet Wheeler is going to be playing on the PGA Tour of Canada. Okay. He earned a 2023 invite. Lots to get to next week. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have some fun. Flames will be off. Enjoy the game tonight. Uh, that's it for us. Have a super weekend. Enjoy the football, too. Bye. Bye.